Are you looking for a new career? Do you like the idea of helping farmers and ranchers across the United States produce the food, fiber, and fuel that keeps our nation on the go? From research and development, logistics, accounting, manufacturing, agronomy, sales, and IT, there's a good chance that we have a career that might be a fit for you. Check out the current openings by clicking on careers at HelenaAgra.com. Hello and welcome to Fieldlink. I'm your host, Bill Smith. When working with growers across the nation, the Helen team has an agronomy first approach. And one person that takes this motto very seriously is Paul Kraut, Senior Helena Product Manager and Agri-Intelligence Agronomist. Paul is from California and happens to be the 2022 Western Region Certified Crop Advisor of the Year. Paul will share his insight about the CCA program and what it means to producers not only in the United States, but around the world. Plus, Jody Lawrence from the Strategic Trading Advisors will be joining us from Nashville for a commodity update. In this episode, Jody will discuss the impact of low water levels in the Mississippi River, plus bring us up to speed with the planting progress in Brazil. And finally, as combines begin to roll in nearly all parts of the United States, many growers are wondering what to do with all of the data that they are collecting. Alan Melton is a Helena Agri-Intelligence Manager from Mississippi, and he will share how Helena is incorporating true yield from Agri-Intelligence into their growers' programs to simplify and help make better production decisions for next year's crop. Stay tuned for this episode of FieldLink. And welcome back to FieldLink. And uh, the Certified Crop Advisor Program is a very important program that has been introduced into the agriculture community for many, many years. And uh, this year joining us is the 2022 Western Region CCA Certified Crop Advisor of the Year, uh, Paul Kraut from Templeton, California. Paul Congratulations and welcome to FieldLink. Thanks a lot, Bill. Uh, it was a, a tremendous honor to be recognized this year for uh, for that award. Um, you know, being selected among almost fourteen hundred of my peers, and uh, I didn't even know I was nominated until I got a call saying that I had won, and and it was just a it uh, it was pretty awesome to be recognized because to me, you know, CCAs are are a real important part of you know where I've gone in my career, and 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 where I see you know opportunities in agriculture in California going forward. So it was a it was a tremendous honor. Well, that's really awesome, Paul. And you know, to clarify, you're, you're the Western Region CCA of the Year, which includes the state of California as well as Arizona. And you referenced it over fourteen hundred certified crop advisors, and that's that's really one heck of an honor. It is, and and I, I you know just considering and and. No, you know, knowing who my peers are, and 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 it's a certainly it's it sounds like a lot of people, but it's really a you know a small industry, um, and a small group, um, because it is a, a fairly difficult certification to get. So you know, we're we're a we're a small community, and it's just it, it's pretty awesome to to be recognized. So, Paul, let's talk a little bit about CCA Certified Crop Advisors. Uh, tell us a little bit about the process. To become certified, what does it take to become CCA certified? 
Well, it is, as I mentioned, it's a fairly rigorous, rigorous process. It's, it's basically a three-step process. There's two very, I would consider, rigorous exams, um, you know, to demonstrate, you know, knowledge in, in a wide variety of, of agronomic topics from soil to water to um, pest management to fertility. Um, It's two very strong tests. One is an international exam, and then the other is a a region-specific exam um, with topics specific to agriculture in that region. And then once you pass those exams, then you have to have, um, in order to qualify, you have to have a minimum level of experience um, in addition to um, having a a degree um, or a combination of of experience and and a degree in in agriculture um, or agricultural you know, type uh, courses. Uh, and then once that happens, you have to get um, a number of letters of recommendation from um, other certified crop advisors as well as growers. Um, and then you put that packet together and then you still don't know if you get it because it, there's an approval process by um, the American Society of Agronomy who administers the, the program. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a long deal. I, t- I took the exams back in 2007 and it, it I think it took about six months for me to find out that that I was actually accepted as a as a certified crop advisor so it's it is not an easy thing to to do um, and and you know once you once you get it it's it's something that you want to hold on to for a long time yeah that's definitely true and it, it's not an easy test uh, our exam and process as you mentioned I know I was one of the first ones to uh, when I got my CCA, we were the first to get the international CCA, and that was a big mm. step uh, a long time ago. I don't even <laughs> say how long ago, but uh, maintaining that is very challenging. I think that's the other part, too, that a lot of maybe listeners don't understand about the CCA. It's not just one test, one and done. It's maintaining that uh, those credentials. Tell us a little bit about how you maintain, I guess, your expertise in this area. Well, absolutely. As, as you can imagine, agriculture and information and science evolves over time and and a key component in keeping the the certification relevant um, is continuing education and so certified crop advisors are are required to get 40 hours of continuing education every two years um, and that's broken up um, into uh, I think five different categories nutrient management soil water management integrated pest management crop management and professional development um, and so you have there's a you have to get a total of 40 hours and then those hours are broken down into into each one of those categories and that keeps you know that keeps us abreast of the latest information techniques um, laws and regulations you know all kinds of different things that allow us to to maintain the professionalism um, that we you know that that certified crop advisors adhere to um, as you know, trusted advisors in the industry. Yeah, and I think that's really important, Paul. You know, uh, according to the website, the Western Region, just the Western Region alone for certified crop advisors, over twenty-two thousand hours of continued education in an annual basis. That's huge if you really think about that. And and a lot of that has to do in that Western Region, Paul. According again to the website, over four hundred crops are represented. That's a lot of diversity in 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 that particular region. Absolutely. I mean, we, I mean, I guess I'm a little, I'm a little biased, but here in California and and then in, you know, in Arizona in this Western region, we, we, I feel like we have probably one of the most diverse 
agricultural growing regions in in the world. Um, I mean, I personally touch on the central coast and then in the desert almost 60 crops um, from an agronomic point of view. And so you're talking about all these hours that are offered. Well, you know, each crop is different and has different requirements. And and so it's it's really important that, that we have you know, all this ed- education available to us to, to stay abreast in all these different, you know, these different categories from alfalfa and, uh, you know, and hay to, to strawberries and, and wine grapes. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of information out there and it's, it's, again, it's important to, to be able to stay abreast and, and, and to be, and stay relevant. Paul, uh, you know, clearly CCA is really important to the industry as a whole, but it's also uh, very, very important to Helena. Uh, what, what are you and your colleagues doing to ensure that we have a lot of sales representatives and agronomists uh, CCA certified? Well, in in the Western, our Western division at Helena, which is California and Arizona, um, we, uh, as an agronomy team and as a management team, uh, recommend and and really encourage every single one of our salesmen, um, our sales reps, to get their certified crop advisor um, certification. Um, and so uh, we we feel it 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 extend it. It exemplifies the level of professionalism um, and really the the Helena's mantra of leading with agronomy. Um, and so we we provide a lot of support as agronomists to new um, new salesmen um, who come in. We provide training um, to help them and prepare them to uh, be able to take the exam, um, getting them all the information that they need to have in order to to be as as well prepared as as possible. Um, and so we we we're always shooting for as you know a hundred percent of our salesmen um, having that that certified crop advisor. Yeah, and I think that's quite a goal, and that's pretty true for the entire nation of Helena representatives. And we have quite an extensive, uh, I guess, commitment in that area, uh, both at the uh, you know regional level as well as the national level. To ensure customers, growers, that our folks are well-trained with that agronomy being focused-first approach, Um, something we're pretty proud of here at Helena. Uh, Paul, how did you get involved in the CCA program? When were you first exposed to that program? Well, I was a—I wasn't working for Helena at the time. This is going early in my my career. Um, I mean, I've been a, a, a. consultant or, you know, I've been involved in, in agriculture since 1999. Um, and, and I, I felt that, that the certified crop advisor, when I, when I was researching it was, was a really a way to, to, to show and, and, and quantify my knowledge, um, and, and what I could bring as a, as a salesman and as a consultant to my, to my grower customer. So in, in, um, you know, in 2007, when I did take the exam in San Luis Obispo County, which is where I live, there were only seven certified crop advisors, and four of them were university uh, university prof- professors. So I, I looked at it as an opportunity to, to really to, to separate myself and, and to show that um, you know, hey, you know, from a professionalism point of view, and and really the direction that I'm, you know, I wanted to present myself was was that, and and then over time. I've found that, um, you know, agronomy and 
and having the, you know, I think another important thing to, to, to say is, is that when, when you become a certified crop advisor, you, you, you sign and, and you adhere to a code of ethics as well. Um, and, and it's, it really centers around, you know, the four R's of fertility, which is the right product, the right place, the right time, um, and, you know, and, and so forth. And so it's, it's really about, being as agronomically sound as possible, um, and that means you know doing no more than is necessary, um, and really being you know grower focused on on what the grower is trying to accomplish, um, you know rather rather than you know the opposite of that. So um, it, it it really kind of spoke to me personally because that's how I I like to to take things is 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 really focus on, you know, the grower perspective, um, and really what the grower needs to accomplish. Cause in my opinion, if, 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 if a grower isn't successful, then I'm not going to be successful as a supplier and as a consultant, because he's going to be out of business. Um, and so that's always been my, my real focus. And I think that's a, a really important point, Paul, uh, that you, you mentioned here, you know, it's really about the grower and doing the right thing at the right time with the right product and signing that code of ethics and living it out uh, is very, very important. And, you know, Paul, uh, again, congratulations on your honor. And I think this is a really important piece here. You know, I pulled the uh, press release uh, from the Western Region uh, uh, CCA of the Year comments, and I think there's a statement here. It says, Paul shows a strong commitment to data and helping his growers find right answers in the numbers from the water, plant tissues, and soil samples. Paul is not afraid to get in the weeds and help new agronomists better understand how to solve complex problems in the field, which is critical to their development. For these reasons, Paul Kraut is the CCA of the year for 22 in the Western region. And that comes from the, uh, uh, the board chair of the Western region certified crop advisors. And I think that's quite a statement, Paul. And I think that really sums up, uh, you know, you and uh, some of your commitment to uh, not just growers, but also to your colleagues. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've transitioned in my career now where, I, where I'm, 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 I'm more, I like to, to consider myself more of a mentor than, 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 you know, a, an advisor in a lot of cases. And, 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 and I think that, you know, when I think about Helena and I think about, um, you know, the company that, that I work for right now is the fact that, that those values are, are shared in the company, um, as well as by the salesmen and, and, and all the piece, people who are in, who are in the company. And so, um, you know, that direction, I, I, I think in this award kind of reflects where, Helena as a company approaches agriculture um, and 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 approaches you know consulting and and supporting our our, our customers. So um, yeah, it was <laughs> it's it's pretty nice. But I, I yeah, I'm I'm uh, definitely a data nerd, and and if the numbers don't match and match what I'm seeing in the field and and everything, then you know again, it's 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 all about you know data and science and 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 really following. Um, you know, following the numbers and, and following the science. So that's my, uh, you know, kind of my, my focus and, and it always will be. So well, that's really awesome. Uh, Paul, um, we want to thank you for all that you do for agriculture, especially in the West, but also helping those young people and, and new folks that are entering into our industry and, and 
you know, pointing them in the right direction and, and your commitment to the certified uh, uh, crop advisor uh, program, especially in the West. And uh, Paul Kraut, thanks for joining us today from Templeton, California. Um, and congratulations on being named the 2022 Western Region CCA of the Year. Bill, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Joining us from Nashville is Jody Lawrence. Uh, Jody, lots of things happening. Harvest is rolling around. We've got lots of things happening with Brazil as they're starting their planting season. And certainly a lot of news uh, right now as it relates to uh, the low waters in the Mississippi River. Jody, welcome to FieldLink. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, it, it seems like every week that we want to try to cross issues off of our checklist of things we're watching in the market. And nothing is going away, but we keep adding problems to it. And the Mississippi River, uh, low water levels and low uh, having to uh, put less weight on all these barges going north and south uh, is becoming a problem. The summer-long drought in the western Corn Belt as it affected the Missouri River and then the late-season uh, drought at the, uh, at the headwaters of the Mississippi You've got a situation, this is the lowest the Mississippi's been since 2012, and that, you know, we know that that was the worst drought that we've had, uh, you know, it, it, that was a, a millennial drought, I guess. But uh, with this, it brings in two sets of problems. Basis for the farmer has fallen precipitously because they can't move as much grain as normal, and on the back end of this, you get... Uh, everybody setting up for the spring season to try to move all that fertilizer from Port New Orleans and every place else in the Gulf up the Mississippi, it becomes an even larger logistical nightmare than what we normally see and what we've seen over the last few years with COVID-induced things and supply shortages. So the Mississippi River uh, drought and the low water levels are just another issue on the list right now. Yeah, definitely terrible timing as we get into the fall harvest. Uh, you know, combines are rolling uh, across to much of the United States and depending upon that waterway for transporting, uh, you know, certainly grain uh, down to the Port of New Orleans as well as fertilizer back up. Yeah, that and just the lack of rain really, it, you had crops that could have finished so much better and are struggling here towards the end, late maturity, talking to a lot of farmers across the country who really disappointed with uh, how everything finished across, uh, across almost the entirety of the Corn Belt because of the drought. And while they appreciated the longer growing season like we see typically in a La Nina year, the lack of moisture uh, more than offset that. So you've got some crops that were primed a month ago to finish strong that are finishing very poorly. So what kind of harvest uh, progress are, are your customers talking about right now? How, how's it moving? Uh, the USDA put out yesterday that 22% of the bean crop has been harvested and 20% of the corn crop. And that's about, uh, it's a little bit behind normal, the five-year average, but it's still well within the the range. You you're getting this year because the forecast is so dry 
and you don't have the worry of storms or hail or late corn damage being knocked down by the wind, that you have a lot of farmers choosing now to very slowly go in and only pick their lowest moisture corn so that they're not getting docked, so that they do not have to dry it, do not have to spend the extra expense of the natural gas or the propane in their dryers before they touch it and send it on. Everybody hates to ship water to the elevator inside that kernel, but they're in a spot now where nature is doing their drying down. It's saving them some money, but it's also slowing down harvest a little bit. Jody, it sure seems like last Friday we saw the bulls and the bears coming out uh, for corn and wheat, and then, of course, the bearish side of things on beans. Uh, What's your insight there? The USDA, uh, as we've talked about before, and anybody that's read the newsletter knows that uh, not only me, but most people in the industry were trying to balance how basis has been so strong since the flood in uh, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, and during planting of 2019, that we felt across the industry that the USDA had overestimated production in both 19, 20, and 21 because of the late fade of the crop. They had it initially much higher in each successive report. They cut the yield, but never quite caught up to where basis levels were. And what we saw in Friday's report was really the first the first effort in a while where the USDA is saying, okay, yeah, we're, we're probably, you know, a half a bushel, a bushel, a bushel and a half over the years. And they're not just going to come in and sweep off, you know, four or five hundred million bushels of corn. We'll just stay on corn for a second. Uh, off the uh, ending stocks to make up for that yield reduction, it has to be a slower pace because what the USDA almost always gets to make these adjustments, since they have so many columns that they can move things around, is that one in every five uh, has been the trend of a new record crop, an enormous yield, to where they can undercount a little bit the, uh, the big record yield to make up for the overcounting of the less uh, the, the less than desirable yields of the previous couple years, but uh, over the last four years, they just hadn't had that opportunity because the crop has gotten smaller at the end of every harvest. And if you look at where bean basis level was all summer and where corn basis was, that really makes sense on why they had to trim it down to tell the world that, yes, the U.S. has a lot less corn and beans uh, than what we have been telling you over the past, you know, several quarterly stocks report and the annual year end in January. And uh, uh, the Russians still continue to be in the news, uh, you know, stirring the pot with the energy world. What's what, do you, what what's new there, Jody? Well, in between the whether it was sabotage or whether it was uh, a planned event, the vandalism and uh, the explosions on the Nord Stream gas pipeline that shut it down and causing more problems and more friction between Russia, the NATO countries, Europe, and the and the and the flow of natural gas from Russia into Europe, uh, they have now had the vote to annex and and passed in kind of a sham election last Friday to 
get the uh, to annex the areas that they occupied. But just as soon as they said they won the vote convincingly that those people wanted to be back as part of Russia, uh, the Ukrainian military drove them out of one of the main eastern Ukraine territories that Russia had been occupying. So in between them, uh, in between Putin and Russia getting their uh, head handed to them on the in the war front, you are. It's becoming more and more clear that the grain deal is not going to be renewed in November out of the Black Sea ports. And Russia keeps talking about and apparently has moved some nuclear warheads. Whether this is simply a show of force to uh, for everybody to calm down uh, that they're intent on using them or they're in a position that they are, uh, they're simply backed into a corner and they're uh, trying to save face. They're using everything that they have in their arsenal to defend themselves. So uh, very, very unstable, very unfortunate situation that the grain markets look at. And if you look at wheat, not only in last Friday's report was the wheat crop uh, a full, uh, 128 million bushels smaller than the average guess, and uh, 120, 133 smaller than the September report. You also have the situation of the world trying to figure out how to get, how to move wheat around if Russia has all the sanctions and the humanitarian corridor shuts down, and you've got wheat back at. Uh, $9.22 right now, which, you know, puts you up at some of the, uh, oh, you're talking about almost a $2 rally since the August lows. So wheat certainly is regaining some, you want to just call it uncertainty premium because you don't want to call it anything else. Definitely a complex situation in Russia right now, impacting not just wheat, as you mentioned, but also uh, energy for sure, as well as even some trickle effects through currency throughout all of Europe. So a lot of, a lot of craziness taking place there. Uh, Jody, uh, Brazil, they're getting off to a good start uh, d down, uh, down in Brazil with planting. Uh, what's your insight there? Well, as La Nina is getting to an end, they're in a typical planting uh, late La Nina planting cycle where a majority of Brazil is seeing good rains. They are going into uh, good soil condition and early development of that crop appears to be above average. While as you head further south into southern Brazil and northern Argentina, they're still very much mired in the drought that they've been stuck with the past two years. So Argentina their wheat crop is deteriorating. Their early planting conditions are poor at best, as is southern Brazil. But the major soybean areas in central and northern Brazil are doing very well. So for the time being, as La Nina transitions out to a more neutral reading, you've got a haves and have not situation in South America with central and northern Brazil being in the best spots. Definitely a market that uh, U.S. growers need to be paying attention to. A uh, big area down there certainly could impact our soybean uh, prices moving forward. Jody, want to thank you uh, for joining us here today on FieldLink. Uh, uh, any last-minute comments? It, the only thing is that crude oil uh, has bounced sharply uh, and 
because OPEC uh, did not want to see crude oil below $85 a barrel. They will be meeting within the next week to decide to almost make a historic uh, barrel per day production cut of 1 million barrels per day. And if that happens, you're you're back down here in the spot where 325 diesel futures is going to be the low end of the range. And we know that it can spike from here uh, because if what's going to happen in the world if the inflation numbers taper off enough and the F- U.S. Federal Reserve quits raising rates, then you're going to see reinflation of everything, and that's going to be led by crude oil in the energy market. So hedge some diesel fuel every opportunity you get when you see a price that works for your operation. Yeah, definitely a big meeting coming up in Vienna uh, with OPEC, and that could certainly change the narrative uh, for the next, uh, you know, three, four months as it relates to energy. Uh, Jody, again, thank you uh, for joining us here on FieldLink. We look forward to having you join us next time. Thank you, Bill, and everybody be safe during harvest. And welcome back to FieldLink. I'm your host, Bill Smith. Joining us uh, today uh, from the Southern Business Unit in Helena is Alan Melton. Alan is an agri-intelligence information specialist, uh, manager rather, uh, for the Southern Business Unit. Alan, welcome to FieldLink. Thank you, Bill. Good to be here. Awesome. It's great to have you here uh, today, Alan. You know, harvest is upon us. we got a lot of things happening across the country as, you know, the combine start up. But uh, before we deep dive into what's going on out in the field, tell us a little bit more about you and your role at Helena. So I've been with Helena now for this is going into my 15th season. I started out at a location where I was an agri-intelligence representative in Greenwood, Mississippi. Uh, After that, I had the opportunity to move into uh, what we call an agri-intelligence information specialist role covering a territory. And then uh, for the past six years, uh, I've I've been uh, doing my best to lead uh, our agri-intelligence team across the Southern Business Unit. I have a team of of uh, seven guys across the SBU covering divisional territories that help uh, promote and represent and uh, support all things agri-intelligence for each one of the locations, Uh, more specifically uh, the the salesmen and the agri-intelligence representatives at the branch level. So, Alan, tell us a little bit about agri-intelligence. Not all of our listeners are really familiar with agri-intelligence from Helena. So agri-intelligence is Helena's approach to precision agriculture and up under that agri-intelligence umbrella uh, are a host of different products uh, where the uh, high-level approach is the process of collecting data, analyzing it, disseminating it, and using that information uh, from a standpoint that can help bring uh, a customer uh, a benefit on his farm. Okay, great. And, and you know, as we mentioned earlier, harvest is upon us, combines are rolling around. Give us a report. What's kind of happening uh, across the geography that you work in right now? Well, uh, overall, uh, yields are, are decent. Uh, it seems like where, where we got rain, it's looking really good. Yep. And where it was dry, of course, uh, it's not looking so good. So sure. it, it's going to be uh, somewhat of a mediocre yield year. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, high spirits, high hopes, and uh, still a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah, you definitely had some areas. Uh, the geography that you covered mentioned New Mexico, Western Texas, uh, 
Pretty tough out west this year, but you also had some pretty decent areas, too, where you had some nice rains. We did, where, where we got rain, uh, very good yields thus far. That's awesome. So, you know, as growers are getting ready, and, and many are in the middle of harvest, uh, what are some things, some tips from a, uh, a precision data standpoint that they could consider, you know, taking a look at? I think one of the biggest uh, things to highlight during this time of the year is just overall paying attention to yield data. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of benefit to yield data, and of course, you you have to to be uh, invested somewhat into the concept of precision agriculture before uh, yield data is really any benefit to you, uh, other than just a pretty map. And that's that's kind of where we come into play with right. agri-intelligence. Yeah, it's more than a pretty map. It's collecting that data and ensuring that you know your monitors are all teed up and calibrated. That's a very, very important piece there. That's right, and we do have a lot of, of very good professionals at uh, at every location uh, in the Southern Business Unit that is uh, well equipped and trained on uh, many different uh, models and makes of combines and, and cotton harvesters uh, that can help our customers get those calibrations correct and get ready to start receiving that data. And I think that's a really important point, you know, having those boots on the ground. Uh, and, and we have a number of them across the country, well over a couple hundred folks that wake up every day and help growers, you know, manage that side of the business. That's right. The heroes behind the curtain is what I call them. Yeah, that's that's a really important factor in this. So true yield, uh, as growers are, you know, navigating through the fields right now, collecting data, tell us a little bit more about this platform called True Yield and, and what it really means to them. Well, True Yield is basically our proprietary approach to yield data processing. Anybody can take some raw yield data and, again, make a pretty map with it. Sure. But where we differentiate ourselves is with our, our proprietary product called True Yield. And uh, it has multiple different layers and, and functionalities to it. But the bigger concept is you have to ask yourself that question, what do I want to do with this raw data? Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we take that information once it's calibrated, because garbage in, garbage out right. is, is the scenario we're, we're working with in terms of yield data. But we can take that information and do a host of different things with it. Some of the primary things that we do with it, uh, obviously, is uh, once we process it, uh, we can actually take that information and correlate it back to our high ground soil sampling. Okay. And and what that does is is yield data in itself is basically just a, a customer's profit and loss sheet at okay. the end of the year. And so you're never going to run into a scenario where we record yield data where it's solid green. Mm -hmm. There's always bad spots in a field. And so what we do is we want to take those those maps and that data, and we want to correlate it back to our soil sampling information so that we can figure out whether or not is this a fertility problem that's that's limiting yield in a certain area or is it a fertility contributing problem is what we're doing working and it gives us uh, the the capabilities of really diving deep into that information and being able to help those customers understand what's working what's not working and what potential changes we need to make or adjustments we need to make in the future uh, to, to help alleviate uh, those red areas because that's the ultimate goal right how do we take those red areas and move them up and and in a in a market like what we're in right now with with um, a high input market, sure. you know, uh, prices where they are with everything, pension pities with fertilizer and all that, it really takes all sets of information to be able to help him make that financial decision uh, at the beginning of the year when he's trying to figure out 
where to put his dollars. That yield map is one of the most precious pieces of information we can put our hands on in order to help him make that decision because it's it's the foundation of, of where we start and working with all the other data sets housed within our whole farm offer. Mm-hmm. And I think you bring up a really good point. True yield is, is, is the, I guess, the final report card, but it's also the beginning. Right. The beginning for a grower who may not have really dived all the way in. That's right. But it's a great place to start to identify, is there a potential issue here? Where am I doing well? Uh, where can I maybe reallocate some resources for other inputs down the road? And, and to your point, the red areas. Or maybe it has nothing to do with fertility. Right. Maybe it's a, a deer issue. Maybe it's an irrigation issue. Maybe it's something that has nothing to do with fertility, but it can help you better understand what's going on in your Exactly. Field. But to your point, without that information, it's very, very hard to figure out and pinpoint yeah. what's going on here and how can we help. Yeah, it's that, that's a critical piece. And, you know, I know a lot of times growers don't think about that this time of year. They're thinking about that December after everything's done. Right. But, boy, making sure that that information going into that combine and capturing that data now is very, very important. Very, very crucial. That's right. And uh, it's, it's, it's one piece of data, but it's, in my opinion, one of the most important pieces of data that we can get our hands on. Um, from that standpoint, I think uh, by itself, uh, again, it, it's just a pretty map and, and uh, you can see what the, the different yield averages are. But it's when you start looking at yield as compared to soil data. It's mm-hmm. when you start looking at yield as compared to your elevation slope. When you start looking at yield compared to the input decisions that you made or my bug pressure that I recorded digitally with something like Inspects, which sure. again is another one of our our proprietary agri-intelligence products with scouting. Sure. Um, it's just that key uh, that key data set that allows us to, to start making some pretty pretty good decisions uh, that influence that, that bottom line for the customer. Well, definitely um, the beginning for some growers, but boy, it ties, ties it all together at the end. You have all these concepts of from one point of the year to the other. We, we've always said, let's take it from yield to yield. Mm-hmm. And that's the approach that we take in all things in between. Help us answer those questions. I think that's really important. I think it's also important for listeners to understand that true yield's not just some software package or some app. There's certainly technology involved, but there's the I guess the beauty of it is is those two, three hundred folks that are helping interpret this data for the grower. That's correct. And bringing that, I guess breaking that down for them at the farm gate. That's correct. And, and that's a big differentiator uh, with our approach to Precision Ag under our agri-intelligence platform. Uh, we have well over 150 employees just in our southern business unit that wow. are 100% committed to supporting Precision Ag offerings uh, wow. at the location uh, level. Uh, they are day in and day out committed, and that's, that's all they, they worry about. And they do a fantastic job of taking this information, looking at it, crunching it with the help of product managers, uh, mm-hmm. looking at it with the help of agronomists and, and other agri-intelligence representatives to really hone in uh, all three of the professional approach support that we have out in the field to, to bring an answer for the for the salesman and for our customer. You, you touched on something, Alan. Uh, you touched on agronomist, and I think that's an important piece that listeners understand is, and we had Paul Crowd on, uh, on, our, on our episode here as well, 
uh, he was CCA of the year in the Western business or Western region for CCA. And he talked about how Helena's agronomy first approach is, is really living out. And I think it truly lives out in products like agri-intelligence, especially true. Yes, absolutely. You have to, you have to take every segment of what we're doing with this data from an agronomic background and an agronomic standpoint. If you don't, you're just somebody else with some data in your hands that don't really complete the story. Mm-hmm. When you take all of these pieces and you look at it from the those uh, agronomy lenses, it truly starts to open your eyes as, as to what the issues truly are and, and open your eyes as to uh, all of the solutions that we currently have uh, under our uh, toolbox that can help remedy any of these problems that we're finding with all this information. Alan, what, what are some of the things that you've learned now that you've had True Yield out there for a few years? Um, I mean, from your seat on the bus, what have you learned from all of this data coming together? How, how have you applied it back to the business? Well, we've, we've learned some pretty interesting things over the year, years, I can tell you that. From, from what customers think is actually going on mm-hmm. to what the data actually tells the, the story of what's going on, sometimes those two don't jive. Mm-hmm. And, and when you can come with that information and show them really what's going on, it changes the dynamic of the Helena customer relationship. We, we at that point become more of a solutions provider okay. for that customer. But just an example of some of the things that, that, that we've kind of picked out from True Yield is uh, customers automatically think, when they have a lot of available nutrient in their soil, they should be good. Where what True Yield has done is it showed us a lot of times where we might have a lot of, say, potash in a certain area. We might also have a lot of magnesium in that area, which they fight each other from a a soil standpoint. So when you look at the yield data where we have the most available nutrient, a lot of times that's showing us where the lowest uh, production is. And that doesn't make sense to customers. They think the more nutrient I have out there, the the higher my yield should be. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily the case because of the agronomic um, interactions that are going on between all of the nutrients out there. And what we've been able to show those customers is that here's your real problem. This is why this area is red and here's a fix for it. And and, uh, ultimately, uh, you you can come up with all the recommendations you want to, but if we don't make that customer return, we're not doing anything for him. And so we have to bring that return to him and that understanding that I know that what this data is finding is truly making me more money and more profitable uh, out here. And that's why they continue to invest with us year in and year out with all of this data collection. Sure. And it's a process. Alan, if a grower wanted to get started uh, with the uh, True Yield product from Helena, what do they need to do? First thing always is contact your your local Helena representative. Uh, Next step is we can come out and assess your equipment, make sure you have everything that you need uh, in order to accurately record all of your data and we can get you know our hands on it and and do what we need to do with it is there Uh, anything special they need uh yes when when you're talking about being able to record you absolutely have to have uh, a combine or a cotton picker of the age that is digitally equipped to record this and most of your machines are coming from the factory equipped already but you absolutely have to have a gps globe and you have to uh, have a monitor inside that system. And we, we can help install that. We can actually help work with your local uh, equipment provider 
to see what they uh, have and what you need and, and work with them. We've done that for years, basically becoming that liaison between mm-hmm. that customer and anybody else to get you what you need sure. in order to record this. So, but first step, as as always, reach out to your 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 uh, local Helena representative. Yeah, absolutely, always start with that Helena representative. They'll put you in the right direction, get you aligned with the agri intelligence folks. Correct to help guide that. Uh, talk, back to equipment a little bit, though. True Yield is really what I like to call colorblind, correct? Correct. It'll it, John Deere, Case, whatever it may be, uh, we, we have the ability to work with pretty much everything. That's it. And and not only True Yield, but everything uh, that we've 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 done in terms of development uh, with agri intelligence is one hundred percent colorblind. Yeah. Uh, we 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 have uh, preferred vendors and people that we work with, and and uh, it's not so much uh, silos anymore right. as it used to be. Everybody's pretty well open to right. to, to sharing uh, their their um, file formats, and we're able to incorporate that into our software and and use anything any any data set that's out there. So walk us through after that uh, grower would reach out to the Helena representative and ensure the equipment's right. Then what? So uh, once we have figured all that out, then we can come actually come out there. Our mm-hmm. agri intelligence representative can come out there and show you uh, how to calibrate it by crop, keep it calibrated, make mm-hmm. sure uh, we can train you on how to uh, accurately store that that information. Um, we can actually work with all the different telemetry providers, people who have wireless data transfer. We we have a relationship with John Deere. We have a relationship with uh, Climate Field View. Basically, anybody that's out there, we have a relationship and an API tie-in back to okay. our AI360 software uh, that allows that information to flow. And once that comes in, we take it from there. Okay. And so we, we will work with that customer to get any other um, intangible information that we will need in order to complete what it is we do uh, with True Yield, but it's become pretty seamless. It used to be we physically had to go out there and collect everything. Sure. Now it's not the case. Technology has advanced to the point to where we can very efficiently, without bugging the, the customer, right. go out there and collect this information and do what we do best with it. Yeah, that's. I think that's amazing to see how quickly this technology has advanced how 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 convenient and easy really it is for a grower. That's right. Uh, the biggest step is picking up that phone and making that first call. Absolutely, awesome. Alan Melton, anything else on True Yield uh, that uh, you can think of today? Well, I think just the overall concept and understanding of just how important yield data is. Most customers they do have a monitor, they do have combines and, and cotton pickers that are able to record. I highly, highly encourage everybody to do everything they can do to, to record that information because it's 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 the key to the city. Sure. It's it's the starting and the ending point, as you said earlier, uh, and it's imperative that in order for us to do the best job we can do yep. in terms of being a service provider and a solutions provider, that data set is very important. So I just encourage anybody that's not uh, currently recording yield or uh, has thinks they have... Um, uh, a piece of equipment that's quote too old. Sure, there are so many different options out there nowadays to get you yeah. up to speed to where we can physically get that data and use it uh, together. And I I keep coming back to the people on the boots on the ground. You know, sometimes for some folks, this area may feel overwhelming. And right. That's exactly why Helen has made the investment into putting the boots on the ground, the people that help guide you through this particular area. Absolutely. We have, again, some of the best people uh, that uh, that are out there right now, and they're, they're extremely gifted. They're, they're extremely focused and extremely committed to, to what they do day in, day out of, of making sure this information is right, 
making sure that it's analyzed uh, at, at every direction, sure. more specifically the agronomic direction, yeah. and then making it, um, putting it in a format to where people can understand it and use it, because that's, that's, that's the key that's missing uh, with so many other offers that are out there, is you got to be able to use this information. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, I guess chatter, uh, folks uh, that may live on this coast or that coast that can pull data, data, data. But if you can't interpret it, if you can't, if you don't have the ability to, you know, look through it from a grower's perspective, like a lot of your folks do, that's a different story altogether. It's kind of pointless it really if you is. think about it. Yeah. Uh, if you're not bringing anything but a pretty map to the table, yeah, you're not really doing too much. Well, Alan Melton, thank you for all that you do for Helena and for our customers, growers across the country, especially uh, in the Southern Business Unit uh, and, and your counterparts, too, for that matter, across the entire nation. And folks are interested in True Yield, certainly reach out to your Helena representative to learn more about this technology brought to you by Helena and the Agri-Intelligence team. Alan, thanks for joining us here on FieldLink. Yes, sir. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of FieldLink. To learn more about Helena, check out our website at helenaagra.com or contact your local Helena representative.